0: Which Please turn with me to your study outlines, uh, and as you turn, um, oh, and you know what? I forgot one other thing. Tonight at the Hub, uh, we're talking about heaven. So we got heaven at 5 o'clock on the Claremont campus, and Swing the Wonder Story at 6.30 on the Pomona campus. How's that for an evening? So please turn with me to your study outlines, and as you're turning, let me welcome those of you that are joining us online. We're so glad uh, that you're joining us for our study of God's Word. We're so happy for our friends at First Baptist Church at Arco, Idaho, and also the the Hangar in Montana and First Baptist Church in Kalispell, Montana and Purpose Church Rancho Cucamonga. We are so glad that you're joining us for our study of God's Word uh, as well. Now we've been doing a series during April and March uh, called Fearless in which we look at different fears that we have in our lives and biblical principles for dealing with those fears. And all the ones so far have been about fears that we have. Fear of what other people think about us, fear of being vulnerable, uh, fear of death. And we're going to go back to those kind of fears next Sunday and for the remainder remainder. remainder of the month of May. But today it's going to take a little bit of a different direction. And that is the fear of poverty, but our approach is going to be, our direction is going to be, what can we do to alleviate the fear of poverty for other people? What can we do, particularly the neediest children in the developing world? And so this is Compassion Sunday, and we're talking about the children that nobody wants. It is our responsibility to bring any and all children to know Jesus. Our children, orphans, and others who don't know him. Now our theme passage is Mark chapter 10. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. Now, as I've looked at this probably a hundred times, you've seen that story. You probably have too. And and you look at it, and the hero of the story, obviously, is Jesus. And the bad guys are the disciples, as we're going to see in a moment. And the heroes are the children. But you know some other heroes that I never paid attention with until this reading. And that is these parents that are bringing their children to Jesus. If you're a parent or a grandparent here, bringing your children to Jesus. Maybe you're here in this service and your children are in our children's ministry. You are my heroes. If you're involved in children's ministry and Pomona Youth Club and tutoring of kids in the neighborhood afterwards or Awana or ministering to children, or if you're going to feel led by God to do that in the future, you are my heroes, either bringing our own children or if children don't have anybody to bring them or their parents are bringing them, for, for us to bring them uh, to meet Jesus. You know, uh, growing up, my dad was not a pastor, he was a businessman, but we always had this model to us as a kid growing up. Most Sundays when we drove to church, we'd either have disabled people in our church, somebody that was disabled uh, to help them get to church, or one of the children from the nearby farm uh, that was uh, near to us there where we lived there in Southern Virginia. So we'd either have children with us or the disabled, or people that were dis- with disabilities uh, that were with us. And most of the time we had somebody with us that we were bringing to church, that we were bringing Jesus. So they had always modeled this for me. Uh, people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked him. They were like, do you know how important Jesus is? And you're going to interfere with him with you just uh, merely blessing your children? Now, we don't see Jesus getting angry very often. But when he does, it's interesting to note what ticks Jesus off? That is an interesting question, isn't it? And we don't want to be in that category, do we? We don't want to be in the irritating Jesus category. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. I'll tell you one of the things that irritates Jesus is people keeping children from him. He said to them, let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. Now, when Kirill and I got married uh, 33 years ago this August, one of the theme verses for our marriage that we adopted was James 1.27, uh, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. Now the Bible talks against a lot of a re- religion. Did you know the Bible's anti-religion in a lot of places? And Jesus certainly had his problems uh, with religion of the religion of the Pharisees. Okay, but it says here's the kind that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless. So we were like, you know what? Let's let's not be in the category of what makes Jesus indignant or irritates Jesus. On the other hand, let's find some religion that God accepts as pure and faultless. I want in on that. And the first thing on the list is to look after orphans. That's the first thing on this list of three. Look after orphans and widows and their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And so we took this in our marriage as, as a theme verse that we want to be somebody that, that looked after orphans. Let me introduce you to some of our sponsored children as well as adopted children. Here's Emmanuel. Uh, he's our compassion child uh, from Tanzania. So he's one of the children that you'll have an opportunity, like him and like Tomiko mentioned, uh, uh, to uh, he's our sponsor child in Tanzania. Here's Daner. He's another of our compassion children through compassion in Peru. And we have an interest in Peru because our, um, our son, John, met a girl, married a girl from Peru. And so our grandchildren are Peruvian. And so uh, like uh, Tamiko had an interest in Ecuador through her husband's family, we have an interest in Peru. So Daner is our compassion child through Peru. Here's Annam. And she's through a different organization, but she is in a Christian girls school in Abbottabad, Pakistan. Now, if that rings a bell, that's the town where Osama bin Laden was killed. And so within that same town is a, is a Christian girls school. And we helped to sponsor her to be in that school. How, how cool is that? Uh, then we adopted Rebecca and Noah. Uh, they were our youngest uh, two, actually. Uh, there's a picture when we uh, first adopted them. And they're, they were from the Los Angeles area. And do you know that there are 120,000 children in the United States in need of adoption, right from our own country? 120,000 children are in need of adoption. And so Rebecca and Noah uh, were, were part of that uh, group that we adopted. And and you know what you find in this is with sponsorship, adoption, but also sponsorship. You you find this, and particularly I want to push this with regard to sponsorship. A little bit of help, a little bit of a hand up, it doesn't take much to help their lives take a radically different direction. It doesn't have to be adoption, okay? It, 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 it can, it, sponsorship does it. I'm telling you, sponsorship makes a Big, big difference. It doesn't take much to get them going in a direction that is, that is much more going to heaven to accept a Christ, but also in addition to that, to change the trajectory of, of their lives. Here's John. We adopted him when uh, he was uh, eight years old from an orphanage in uh, Cali, Columbia. And boy, John had all kinds of medical difficulties. He had had, had about 20 surgeries by the time this picture is taken, had another 10 when he was living with us. I had about 30 surgeries by the age of 10. But praise God, like I said last Sunday, he's going back to be a missionary in Peru and met a Peruvian girl who's a pediatrician in the church uh, there that he attended. And the two of them are going back this summer as missionaries uh, uh, to Peru. It didn't take much to get it going in in a totally different direction. Here's Andrew. Uh, He was seven years old when we adopted him. This is the day we met him. He's the one with the New York Giants uh, t-shirt on. And, And this is him at his orphanage with all of his buddies there at the orphanage. First time we met him, he's uh, John's brother, full brother, seven years old. And the thing about Andrew that was so interesting is that he was fascinated by the jet when we flew home. You know, he, first time he had ever flown, and he was just fascinated by that whole thing and, and just very interested in the mechanisms of the jet and what was going on with it. And, and lo and behold, he eventually becomes an airline pilot for Express Jet, and now he's an air traffic controller. Um, he's the well, one keeping you safe in the skies of Southern California. That's a little spooky to me that this kid, you know, uh, your life is in his hands. Uh, and, uh, you know, his parents were... We never fully ever appreciate the competency of our children, and so it always makes me a little nervous when I fly, you know, that I, Andrew's got my life in his hands. But, you know, that just demonstrates that through sponsorship, you know, just, just a, a direction in, in some ways even more effective with their parents in their own home country situation, that through sponsorship you can just make a tremendous difference in the trajectory and the outcome of one of these children's life and, most importantly, of their eternity. Pray for children without parents or children who are unwanted. Uh, Lamentations 2, arise, cry out in the night as the watches of the night begin. Pour out your heart like water in the presence of the Lord. Lift up your hands to him for the lives of your children who faint from hunger at every street corner. How did Jesus handle the issue of unwanted children? Well, as we saw in Mark 10 verse 14, he says, I want them, bring them to me. And we're the hands and feet of Jesus, so it means bring them to us. You know that one of the early earmarks or characteristics of the early church, you know what the early Christ followers were known for in the Roman Empire? They were the ones that took care of unwanted children. It's what they were known for. From the, from the very beginning, uh, the Romans used to take their uh, children, and if they didn't want them, particularly if they were girls, baby girls, and Tamiko is just talking to us about uh, young girls at risk in our church's ministry uh, to, uh, to them, and and just, uh, by the way, if I can brag on Tamiko, big article in a magazine, Nation, Nationwide Magazine, through Lifeway, and just featured um, her human trafficking ministry that, that she leads, that she's a, a part. Don't we appreciate Tamiko? Let her know how much you appreciate her. And uh, man. Just, just an awesome magazine article on Purpose Church and on the human trafficking ministry that you have here at Purpose Church. You guys uh, were in that, and, and it was just awesome. Uh, so at any rate, that's what the early church was known for. They were the ones that when the Romans had an unwanted child, usually a baby girl or somebody with disabilities, they'd take them outside of the city to the city dumps and just leave them there to die of exposure. And the Christians were the crazy people that went out to the dumps and searched for these children and rescued them, took them into the church, took them into their families, and raised them. This is what we have been known for for 2,000 years. This has been one of our trademarks. Oh, yeah, the Christ followers, they're the ones that take in unwanted children. Everett Swanson, uh, in 1952, was a pastor from Chicago. He goes to Korea during the Korean War, uh, to uh, preach to the troops united american troops united states troops and also to the korean troops and while he's there he's on the streets one day and he sees the garbage man collecting the garbage from the streets in the morning and he sees as he's putting one in all of a sudden he notices that all of a sudden one starts to move their hands and legs it's not a pile of rags it's a child and what they would do is the war orphans, uh, the children that were abandoned that were war orphans, they would freeze to death overnight. And so the garbage men would come through the next day and collect the frozen bodies of these children uh, who were orphaned. And so this so burdened his heart that he, that he came back to the United States, raised a bunch of money, went back, started an orphanage in Korea that has now grown into Compassion International. And what you see happening around the world all came uh, from a Chicago pastor that saw something that broke his heart on the streets of of, of Korea. How did Jesus handle, how does God handle the issue of unwanted children? Psalm 27, verse 10. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Isn't that good news? Uh, We can value children that no one else will. Some literary critics consider this next story I'm going to read the greatest story ever told. Greatest story ever told. Some literary critics say this is the greatest story ever told. It's a story of Jesus. He says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? Next page of your study outline. He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you'll live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. In the King James translation, it says, he had compassion on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him, Jesus told him, go and do likewise. And he says to us, go And do likewise. Uh, Dale Brown was a professor at Yale University. And he said that the five characters in this story represent three different philosophies of life. Uh, The thief represents this philosophy. What you have is mine. What you have is mine. And he would say, Dale Brown would say, this is the basis for socialism or communism. The priest and the Levite, their life philosophy is, what I have is mine, okay? Okay? And that's capitalism without God. Dog eats dog. Survival of the fittest. What I have is mine. And tough luck for you if you don't have as much as I do. Uh, The Good Samaritan, on the other hand, represents this life philosophy. What I have belongs to you. Uh, This is the Christian philosophy. This is the philosophy of Christ followers. Not uh, capitalism without God. What I have is mine. Not socialism or communism. What you have is mine. But instead, of the followers of Christ, our philosophy is, what I, ha- what I have belongs to you, and I will voluntarily share it with you. Uh, we can help to feed them. We can give them affection. We can offer these children words of encouragement. We can bring them to know Jesus. Do you know that 85% of people come to Christ before the age of 14? That's why as a church we have got to make it a high priority in our, in our finances and in our energy and in our time and in our flexibility uh, to reach students and children. That's who we've got to, that's got to be our heartbeat uh, that we're a church that reaches children. We're a church that reaches students because it's, it's the most effective strategy. of people accept Christ before the age of 14. And that's where child sponsorship is so powerful. The children of the world's hearts are ready to be influenced. And 85% of them will come to Christ, if they come to Christ, before the age of 14. So what a powerful thing sponsorship is, because it leads a child. What did that statistic say Um, in the video earlier? It said that every four minutes, through Compassion International, a child somewhere in the world commits their life to Jesus and to following him. Every four minutes. And so sponsorship is such a great way to bring the children of the world to help them to know Jesus. We can be involved in ministry to children. Uh, Right here in our own ministry, student ministries, high school ministry, FSM, fifth, sixth ministry, junior high ministry, children's ministry, rocking babies in the nursery. We should, we can do, maybe God just led you here today because he's laying it on your heart. And I don't want to manipulate you or, or, or pressure you in any way, but just pray about it. And say, God, is is there a way I could help in children's ministry? After school tutoring with PYC, Pomona Youth Club. After school tutoring every Tuesday or Thursday. I'm sitting in my office and all of a sudden I hear all these kids coming by my window. And I'm like, what's up with that? And I look out, oh yeah, here are all the kids from the neighborhood coming onto our campus uh, uh, to be tutored. You know, this, this week and this Sunday morning, uh, three of our pastors are in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, Lisa Tony, Lisa Patterson, and Irene Brandon. Irene is our pastor to early childhood, and Lisa Patterson is our pastor to elementary uh, children, and Lisa Tony is the executive pastor over those children ministry areas. So three of our pastors are in Atlanta, Georgia. Why are they in Atlanta this week and and this Sunday morning? They're there because the best children's ministry in America, if not the world— is at Andy Stanley's church, North Point Church, outside of Atlanta. Andy Stanley, the son of Charles Stanley, if you're familiar with Charles Stanley. uh, Basically, everybody agrees the best children's ministry in America is at North Point Church. And so they have spent the week at a conference at North Point, and they're spending this morning looking at the children's ministry at, at, at North Point. Why are they doing that? Because they want our children's ministry to be the best it can be. They want us to more and more be like the best in the nation. They want people to say the best in the nation is in Pomona, California, not Atlanta, Georgia. And so uh, that's why they're there. And we need to make this such a priority uh, for, for our church. We can be involved in ministry to children. We as a church are to be Jesus' hands and feet. We as a church are to be the hand if jesus hands and feet welcome children then we as the church need to be jesus hands and feet and also uh welcome children let's watch this together
1: the church is god's hope for the world and right now there are over 400 million children across the world living in extreme poverty 400 million children in need of hope This is why Compassion International exists. For over 60 years, Compassion has partnered with the church to release children from poverty in Jesus' name. At its core, Compassion is a child development organization that cares for children in poverty through child sponsorship. But this kind of sponsorship looks different with Compassion. So what does different look like? First, it looks like the church working together. We partner with churches in the US to sponsor children, and with over 6,000 churches in developing nations to deliver resources and programming to those children throughout their entire childhood. This kind of sponsorship looks like relationships. Compassion connects one child with one sponsor to help the child achieve his or her God-given potential. The relational investment made through a sponsor's letter to their child is often the thing that helps that child believe that they don't have to live in poverty forever. This kind of sponsorship looks like holistic care. Children sponsored through Compassion receive physical care, educational care, social care, and most importantly, spiritual care, all from their local church. In the last year alone, over 125,000 children made first-time decisions to follow Jesus. That's one every four minutes. And for your church, this kind of sponsorship looks like the Great Commission. By partnering with Compassion, your entire church is equipped to serve as global missionaries. And the result is that powerful transformation takes place on both sides. Children meet Jesus and are discipled in a local church. And here in the U.S., sponsors in your church become more globally aware, more engaged, and more generous. This is what sponsorship with Compassion looks like.
0: Now, this whole concept of compassion is a theme from cover to cover in the Bible. And we usually think, well, in the New Testament, but how about the Old Testament? Absolutely from the from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible. Leviticus is a book that you don't think of as a very compassionate book, but it was extremely radical for its time, 1400 B.C., 3400 years ago, when most cultures, if not all cultures and countries of the world, were all about dog eats dog, survival of the fittest, don't care about the needs of others, only get ahead on your own effort. Here in the midst of that comes Leviticus 19. When you reap the harvest of your land... Do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. From the very beginning pages of Scripture, God says we are to be people of compassion. Uh, Mark chapter 1, a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. Mark 6, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd, so he began teaching them many things. I love this quote by Greg Nettle. Uh, let's put that up there. The latitude and longitude of a birth mostly determines whether or not a child will have access to clean water, health care, and education. We can help to end that. We live in a blessed place, and those who can should be a blessing to others. Jesus put it this way, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Now again, I don't want to be overly pressuring or or manipulative. I'm just asking you to pray about it. That's all I'm asking you to do. Consider where God can use you in the lives of children. Maybe it's in children's ministry here. Um, maybe it's in some other way. But we want to provide this opportunity for sponsorship to make it to make it easy to do something. Uh, boy, I, I loved what, what Chris Brown said earlier. He said, "You know that when when people when God looks at the end of our lives and we stand before Him at our checkbooks, will He see in inventorying those?" that we had a concern for the things that God had a concern for, are only our own concerns. What, what will he see there? And, and this is just an opportunity to, to minister to the least of these. We're going to stand before God some days, and he, he's going to say, Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. And so there's a couple of opportunities. There's a compassion experience where as soon as this service is over, you can walk, or, or after your adult Bible study. If you have an adult Bible study that you need to go to, well, then it's, it's open all day and into the evening. You just walk right out of here and, and right to the south parking lot. Again, don't be discouraged by the long lines. They process them, them very, very quickly. You know, I don't know if fast as Disney does it, but they do them really fast. Uh, 21 every four minutes. Uh, and, and, and they'll get that line down quickly. It only takes 12 minutes. Once you do it, you don't have to be registered. Just walk in. If you want to register, it's open all day tomorrow. And the rest of today, I think until like 7 o'clock or something like that, I believe. I think 7 p.m. I believe it's when it's open till. um, And so later today or tomorrow. But the easiest thing, well, you got child care, your children are provided for. Go walk through it and sit and have coffee during the next hour, okay? children's ministry will take care of it. They're all gone, so they can't be mad at me for saying that, okay? <laughs> They're out of town. So, uh, you know, go through and just uh, hang out and uh, for the remainder of the hour, and your children will be taken care of till like 1230 uh, this afternoon. And, and so really encourage you to take advantage of that. Or the packets uh, that we've been talking about are right out there in the lobby. You just walk out in the lobby, and there's one like Daynert that our family uh, sponsors, or Emmanuel in Tanzania, Daner in Peru. Maybe you'll have an interest in a particular country, like uh, Tamiko with her family, because Chris was from Ecuador. His family' background was Ecuador. So they had an interest there. Ours, it was Peru. But maybe it'll be something different for you all, but there doesn't have to be any connection. It doesn't have to be any connection, but maybe, maybe there will be. And uh, those are right out in the lobby. There are volunteers out there. There's a staff from Compassion. They'll help guide you through the process. No pressure whatsoever. It's just something you look at and you pray about and uh, see what, what God leads you to do. Um, before we begin to share the Lord's Supper together and, and kind of pivot to that, uh, let's close with this.
2: Hi, I'm Jimmy Mayato, president of Compassion International. I want to thank you so much for being a part of this year's Compassion Sunday event. You help speak up for children in extreme poverty who have absolutely no voice. Children who are struggling with poor health, hunger, neglect, hopelessness. Children who are hurting. And whether your Compassion Sunday presentation was to a large group or a small group, whether you saw a big response, small response, or even no immediate response, you did a fabulous thing by sharing your heart for these children. You did something really important And I believe God was pleased by your willingness to take the risk and speak up for the children he loves so much. I'm so thankful too for your pastor who gave permission and blessing for you to host a Compassion Sunday event and for your entire church family for giving you this opportunity. As a result of Compassion Sunday events like yours across the country, thousands of precious children will begin to experience love, care, and hope like they've never known before. Many will come to know Jesus and put their trust in him. Lives will be changed forever. How exciting is that? May God continue to richly bless you for speaking up and being a part of Compassion Sunday. Thanks so much.
0: And when we think of compassion, aren't we glad that God was compassionate to us? And the Bible says that we love others because he loved us first. We're simply responding because he loved us, we love him, and now we love others as well. And so it's highly appropriate we share the Lord's Supper together, which is a regular reminder. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me, a regular reminder of God's compassion on us by sending his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us so we could be forgiven for our wrongdoing and so we could have the hope of heaven. And everybody here is welcome to share the Lord's Supper. You just need to know that you're a follower of Jesus. Say, Glenn, I'm not sure if I've made that step or if I'd like to make it today. How would I go about doing it? On the next page after your study outline in the upper left-hand corner, you'll see an outline of the three things the Bible says we need to do to be made right with God, to receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and to know that we're on our way to heaven. And there's a little suggested prayer there. And if you've prayed that prayer or something like it in the past, then you're very welcome to show outwardly that you're a follower of Jesus by receiving the Lord's Supper. Or if you'd like to do it today, this could be your day. Uh, this, This could be your moment when you receive him as your Lord and Savior. And so I invite you to pray that prayer. Uh, I encourage you to do that. And then if you've taken that step and you know that you're a follower of Jesus, you've opened your heart to receive him into your heart, uh, then you are very welcome to show with the bread, as we remember his body given for us on the cross, and take the cup, which is a reminder of his blood shed for us on the cross uh, for the complete forgiveness of our sins, of his compassion, his mercy towards us. And we remember him outwardly in that way if we have received him as our Lord and Savior. So let's take just a moment and prepare our hearts to receive the Lord's Supper.